Hi everyone, and welcome to the Whiteboard Podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid with faculty on their time as a student. These are the conversations that profs and students should have, but can't. Exploring the intersecting needs of students, faculty, the education system, and the job market as a whole. Our guest today is Yura Lee. Yura is a graphic design student in Seneca College from South Korea and a full-time design intern at Marks, SGS, and Co. She spent most of her 20s in post-secondary education because she loves learning. And while she spends most of her time at work or school, she enjoys gardening, which is a hobby that grew on her since landing in Canada five years ago. Yura, welcome to the podcast, and thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> nice uh, to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you. I, I just learned something about you. I don't know if I knew that you've already done, I guess, undergrad or or another college degree? I went to two different universities in South Korea. I quit both of them. And I went to Niagara College, uh, graphic design. I quit that one as well. And then I went to Seneca's Cosmetic Techniques and Management Program and graduated that for the first time. Now, what were you taking in Korea when you were, as you say, quit? It's called Visual Communication Design. And another one's like welding. I don't know how to describe it in English perfectly. And then Niagara College, that's here in Ontario, right? This is a stupid story, but I didn't know how far Niagara is. <laughs> so I enrolled it in Korea and realized it's like a three-hour bus ride from Toronto to Niagara. So it's physically almost impossible to live in Toronto downtown and go to Niagara College. Uh, so I had to quit before starting. Isn't there like a, like advisors when you do... You would think so, right? <laughs> I had an agency. Uh, didn't really help me with that. In addition to being a student at the moment, you're also doing mm-hmm. an internship. A full-time intern. That's unusual because people usually do an internship, like say in the summer. The only difficult thing is that I'm still a student and I still have a semester to go in graphic design program. So I have to go back after learning the fact that it's so nice to be not be in school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think what I meant to say is most students don't do an internship midway through their diploma. They usually do it after all the courses are done. I have four other intern buddies in my team and they all finished their undergrad. So I'm going to be the only one who's going to be going back to school after this internship. The learning process, uh, like the training though, uh, I didn't see much of a difference between me and the other uh, interns. A semester wouldn't make that much of a difference. The only thing that was bothering me was that I do have to go back and graduate. What do you mean by bothering you? Like, (laughs) to put it uh, in an easy way, like I get paid to work (laughs) as an intern. (laughs) For school, I have to pay, right? (laughs) Like I'm doing all the work willingly at work because I get something from it. But at school, you're doing all the homework just to learn. And that's kind of really nice to not be in school anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You feel like you're ready. And I mean, I know you, 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 are, you are ready to work if you wanted to. I've worked in so many different part-time jobs in my life. And this one is a special one. Like it hit me differently. Oh. The other part-time jobs, you don't really accomplish anything, right? You're just there to sit through and just serve the customers and just wish that this shift ends. But this internship, for the first time, I want to work longer. Like, I want to stay at work and finish this job before I leave 
and they're not even requiring me to do that. <laughs> um, the work-life balance is amazing in this company, and people still do overwork, like overtime. And I was wondering why. It's just the feeling of the accomplishment that they follow. Wow, that's great. So, so tell us a little more about um, how you found this internship, what the application process was like. Tell us about getting an internship. My program coordinator sent out a whole job posting for all the students who have their portfolios ready. And this was a paid internship. So I applied and I thought I wouldn't get it because I thought I'm not ready right, for the interview and the portfolio. So I just applied thinking that I won't get it. I even booked a flight to Korea and I, I got the interview. So I had to do my interview in Korea. My brain was fried and I had to prepare for the interview for like 12 hours since landing. What was that interview like? The interview process was actually different from what I heard from my professors in school. Uh, I heard you have to like give a presentation of your portfolio for like 10 to 15 minutes and then uh, uh, answer any questions that the design director or creative directors might have. But it was completely different. It was more like a conversation. They would ask me questions in the middle of my presentation, like, uh, who did this work? Was it a group project? What did you do in that? And what thought process was in this ideation? Why did you put this uh, mark in this logo? Those questions. And I was surprised that I was actually ready to answer all those questions. I mean, if you spend like three to four months in one project, you know everything about it. So I just talked comfortably and I think that was how I got the internship. Wow. So it sounds like just knowing what you did and why you did it and having confidence goes a long way. At, th at the end of the interview, did they say to you, oh, do you have any questions for us or something like that? I asked them, like, can I get a feedback about my portfolio or this interview? And they told me. <laughs> my website is whack basically <laughs> so it turns out um i have two different portfolios uh one is a website that i built through wordpress and the other one is like indesign interactive pdf and the wordpress one i didn't put a lot of effort in it because of some reasons and <laughs> i forgot to delete that link in my application so of course they checked it and they were like huh they uh, this person th didn't really want to apply why why is she here so they actually um waitlisted me and then got back to me later wow. yeah so the interviewer was saying maybe uh you might want to delete that <laughs> i was surprised that i got some feedback the interview was like 30 minutes long and i learned from the interview which was great like i get exhausted from interviews but this one i thought i didn't get the job because of the website <laughs> but i was like at least i learned something from it now i can apply to like different companies well that you, you know what that that website thing is really common sometimes i'll like google a student and be oh i wonder what you know this person's up to and like mm -hmm. nine times out of ten the very first hit is their like half built first year wordpress thing <laughs> that they didn't want to do and got frustrated yeah. with and it's just kind exactly of like, so like i'm happy you mentioned that because i see it all the time and i think i even had that for a while mm -hmm. so that's great but it's also really good to hear that the interview process wasn't maybe what you expected but that's a good thing it was surprising because when i first joined the meeting 
they were just having a small talk with themselves. And I told them I'm in South Korea right now. The time difference is 13 hours. They started talking about my day. You know, so it felt like I'm talking to people who I already know, right. which made me really comfortable. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, so I think the interviews are to check your vibe and uh, like basic skills that you have because you know in the end we're just students right and they know that we're just students so yeah i think they were checking my communication skills the most not like language skills it's more like you know is this person okay to talk with <laughs> yeah human skills i think is yeah. the new yeah human we skills. used to say soft skills but that's not that's not hip anymore it's human skills <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think your intuition is bang on. Like, as soon as you get an interview, like, you know, they like the look of what you make. And now it's just, do I want to be in a room with this person for eight hours a day? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you feel like they were evaluating, I guess, critical thinking skills or conceptual skills or? Yeah, they were talking, uh, like asking me about why a lot. Like, why did you use Gotham in this logo? Like, why did you take out this small portion of graphic? Uh, like what's your thought process and usually at school you'd be like oh i didn't know it was gone (laughs) it looked pretty and i saved it wrong (laughs) so it's gone now and uh, i had to make up uh, a lot of stuff on the go and i think they knew it i think and they just liked how i could improvise through the interview is that what you were expecting i was told to prepare a full-on script that would go on for 10 to 15 minutes. So I did that. And since they caught me uh, in the middle of the presentation, I couldn't follow that script at all. So I had to talk with what I had in the brain already. Mm. Like I I couldn't think of anything that I memorized from the script. And I think they liked that better. The reaction was kind of dull when I was reading off the script. And they also asked some stuff like, who did the packaging here? Was it your groupmate or like was it you? Like, what did you do here? And I couldn't really lie. It's a packaging design company. You, you might want to say that packaging design, you did it yourself. Like, even though it's a group project, I, I just said, like, we did it together. And I mostly focus on the website, to be honest. <laughs> and they just uh, laughed, it, laughed at it. So I thought, okay, this company is gone. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they somehow hired me. <laughs> That's great. I mean, that question, what was your role in a given project? Mm-hmm. It might be perceived as like they're they're looking for you to say like a very specific thing, but a lot of times they're just people are just curious, right? And and they yeah. you know they want to know what you've done and what you haven't done, and it's not necessarily good or bad, especially at an intern level. Exactly. And now I work with them, like my direct manager. At first, when I saw him in the interview, I was like. Oh, he seems very intimidating. <laughs> and now I know the person behind the monitor. Yeah, it's great to like get to know people and what they were <clears throat> actually thinking through the interview. It wasn't more like evaluating everything that I did in my school. It was more like, is, person, is this person comfortable with talking about their work? That's cool. Something, something yeah. I've gotten in the habit of doing after I work somewhere for like, six seven months if i'm like having a coffee mm-hmm. with my boss i'll ask them about my interview and i'll ask them what made me stand out what were some of the things mm-hmm. i did and didn't do that were good or bad just over a decade of doing that i've built up certain things about me 
that make me a better interviewer. Yeah, definitely. I didn't even think about that, but I'll ask my boss. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> Why did you hire me? Interview prep is so important. I don't know if a 15-minute script is, is the right approach to interview prep. <laughs> yeah. Although like any metacognitive activity is healthy, right? So it's like forcing you to think about what you've done and why you did it. It's good. But like we undervalue mock interviews and mm -hmm. just going through those very typical questions that you know you're going to be asked. What was your role in this project? Yeah. Did you think about accessibility in this project? What was a challenge you faced in this project? How did you overcome that challenge? Like these questions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You go for a jog and you think about them and you prepare answers. And that's how I like to prepare for an interview. This is something me and my other classmates couldn't even think of because our portfolio was not ready until the day before the interviews. Yeah, we were, we were not prepared to do any interview. This is the reason why I took the summer break as well. I was extremely burnt out. The class schedule could have been better. There were classes on top of the portfolio class, which is basically redoing everything you did. Uh, so I remember not having time at all to think about the interviews themselves, even though that's like the goal <laughs> of being in school. <laughs> like, uh, you're, you're in this program to get a job, basically, and you don't focus about internship anymore because of the schoolwork. Like, how ironic is that, right? Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that struggle. I, I wonder, I mean, there's this kind of feeling at times that the reason you're in school is to prepare a portfolio so that you could show it to mm -hmm. people and get hired. Right. I don't always know that if that's a good or bad way to think about it. Is that how you think about what you're doing in school there to build a portfolio? Not just a portfolio. I think... The skill that I'm using the most that I learned from school is the communication skills, like surprisingly. Uh, Illustrator, like Adobe stuff, I can learn that in YouTube, right? <laughs> what else? Portfolio? Honestly, I can build that myself watching YouTube as well. <laughs> but the communication skill, you cannot learn that. What I realized working with different teams is that you need to be able to communicate clearly with different departments, including people who don't know anything about design. You, you cannot expect them to know all the design terminology. So you would have to explain why blue works better than red or the vice versa. And explaining that is something what I learned from like your classes and other classes at like presentation skills, like why I designed this and what kind of thought process went into this. This is something I learned in school, I think. That's great. I, I mean, I feel like that's what we should be teaching because as you say, software training, not everyone, but a, a good chunk of students can get that on their own and some of them even prefer to. Mm -hmm. It comes down to conversation and, and those human skills and I think critique. I don't think we do enough critique. Yeah, I was going to say. Especially your group, the COVID group, missed a lot of yeah. that. Because we used to do in-class critiques. Everybody print out your magazine cover. We're going to tape them all to the wall. And we're going to walk around and talk about them. Yeah, that's the thing. I never got to print anything, like any artwork that I made. And I don't even know what a print shop looks like. And I work in a packaging design team. And all my 
other teammates, my other intern friends, they're also COVID babies. And we all graduated from fully online classes. Everyone doesn't know how the color rotations work. Mm. Why Pantone? Why CMYK here? What's the difference between them? Like, we have zero clue. Like, there are some regulatory rules, like, the minimum type spec should be like 6.4 this this design and the other point like the net weight should be 25 here like when we first learned all that it was so overwhelming so the training was for five weeks straight and we learned so much in that short period of time uh, a minimum sorry that was at your internship yeah the internship yeah because a school tries to cover that but they cannot only focus on the packaging design or like the print shop stuff. So I think we tend to take out all the print part of our industry, which is not a great idea because all those students will go to companies not knowing anything about how printing works. I still don't know like a good chunk of it. And I should be able to communicate with the printer, supplier, client, teammates, my other teammates, like so many different departments, right? Mm -hmm. And they talk like I already have the knowledge, which I'm expected to, right? Yeah. School honestly didn't really cover that. So uh, we're just sit sitting there thinking, what is CMYK? Um, I mean, uh, they <laughs> not not that much, but like. Wow, I mean, maybe I um maybe I should prepare some uh, ex bonus lessons on this. I, I definitely I get it. It's hard because I even remember mm -hmm. when I was in college, I only did a two year program. And a lot of mm -hmm. us came out kind of like not understanding print technology. And I remember we had one instructor yeah. who was really angry about how, how we don't teach enough print tech. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, well, the design industry, as everyone knows, who's listening, we all know the amount of stuff we're supposed to know. Oh, it's insane. And, and as <laughs> and you know, when you run a program, you don't want students like you don't want the people who go into web design to say, oh, you didn't teach me enough web or you don't want the people going into print mm. and saying they didn't teach me enough print. So we try to cover it all. And I'm a fan of that approach because I'm someone who likes wide learning, but not everyone does. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a challenge. And I don't necessarily know if there's a solution. Yeah, honestly, I don't think it is possible. I think it's more ideal to cover everything, like different departments, different areas of design. Because there are so many areas, right? And they're completely different. UX designer would have a completely different knowledge to a packaging de designer. It's going to be like a different language for them, right? So teaching all that to graphic design newbies, I think it's almost impossible. What I think is, I think the companies should be really thorough when they're training new people. I had five weeks of training, which I'm really grateful for. But not a lot of companies do that. And a lot of places just throw you, not the expression. <laughs> uh, throw you into the deep end? Yeah, exactly. Like they, they expect you to do everything without any supervision. And that's just impossible, right? It's, and this yeah. school will not just focus on packaging design completely. That, that would be a packaging design school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be a yeah. program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was actually surprised when you said you're doing package design because a lot of that uh, requires CAD software. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Tell us about it. They specify every single 
part of packaging design and two different teams. There's a team who do project manage management, and there's a team who communicate to the client, and there's a team who do the initial building of the uh, design. And there's another design team who do the later part of the design and make sure everything looks good, legible, if it's the regulatory laws and send it off to the client. There are different design teams. And of course, people who proofread, who check the quality of the design, they're all different teams. So that's why I say communication is the most important thing to learn in school because it will be impossible for you to learn all those different parts of industry right and it's only packaging design that i'm talking about so i assume it's going to be the same even if you work for an ad agency there will be a team who would communicate to the client only who would only you know sketch like make, make illustrations or who would just research photography so communicating between those departments and understanding the fact that they don't know what you're talking about unless you explain it is the most important thing. Yeah, I think I might have shared this story before, but one time somebody asked me to, and they asked me to design a newspaper ad for them. And I was like, sure, what size ad did you buy? And they said, a newspaper ad. And I was like, cool. Is it like one column, two column, three column? How tall mm -hmm. is it? Newspaper ads are sold in something, well, in some instances, newspaper ads are sold in something called agates, A-G-A-T-E-S. Okay. It's been a while since I've used agates, but I think an agate is a standard line, it's a letting line. So anyways, mm -hmm. that's how it was expressed by this newspaper. So the client was like, just mock something up and I'll see if I like it. And I was like, yeah, but I need to know what size it is. And it was like yeah. the most infuriating process because yeah. I was just like, I just need to know what size it is. Exactly. And they expect you to read their mind, right? And yeah. you cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't even have the language to tell them why, why it mattered that I needed to know the size, even just to give them an mm -hmm. idea of what I might do. I was so, that yeah. was so green. I, oh man, I sympathize. And there are so many questions that go to the client from the printer or this uh, adaptive design team or the initial build design team. Like so many departments have questions for clients. That's why there's a team for the clients only, right? The communication process is so complex. I don't really get to talk to the client because I would just ask the account manager team, right? And just make them ask, so what do you want for this design? Yeah. Since I didn't have any experience in the design industry, this is this was the most surprising thing because this seems more like conversation, conversation that goes on for eight hours, like with so many different departments. <laughs> yeah, it's all online. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought this up. I see. I thought this was going to be about package design, but it's it seems like it's going to be more about project management um, because <laughs> like I'm working on something now where, where the client needs um, a, a hub for their software development. Mm -hmm. So they are integrating all of the knowledge bases from all over this company, the legal frameworks, the code, the tools, the stakeholders, the policies, the funding, all of the all of these things that happen when you want to design a piece of software is like getting funneled into this big SharePoint and that needs to be mm. designed. And it's just like, it's got nothing to do with whether or not I can use Figma. Like that is the farthest thing from my mind right now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm not worried about that. I, yeah, I, I'm so far away from that because I, I do just completely do not understand this project at all. Yeah. Like, that is the hard <laughs> part, right? 
um, people on Fiverr yeah, right. can use Figma. That's not what's going to make you, you know, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, there are people who are freaking amazing and build incredible visual things and are lucky enough to be able to survive on that. But for the rest of us, mm -hmm. project management is just gigantic. Of course, I have a lot of questions about every work that I do. And sometimes I don't even know how to ask that. I cannot be like, you know, send the screenshot and be like, what? <laughs> you know, I have to make that into a sentence, make sure this person understands my question. And I don't know enough to make that into a question. So this internship was like that for me for the first half or the first quarter, uh, four to five weeks. And learning how to put that uh, vague concept, vague mystery into an actual sentence was one of the things that I learned through the training and the first few weeks of shadowing my uh, work buddy, which is, by the way, a really amazing system. I have a, a work buddy at, at work, and this person is basically the person who would guide you and make sure you can ask questions freely. And since I got this work buddy, I've been asking her so many questions and I learn from asking questions, right? And sometimes this person learns new things too. Every time a student asks me a question, I find that I learn something when I have to go find the answer. Like That's what I'm saying. In school, I... I was more so afraid of asking questions in certain classes, certain professors. That actually kept me away from learning in those particular classes. This is something that COVID kids have disadvantage of because professors basically have no idea whether the students are understanding or not, unless you're super vocal, right? <laughs> My group is very vocal, but it only applies to certain students. So the rest of the class, we don't really know if they understood it or, or not. We're lucky if they post their questions in the group chat, then me and my other classmates would know that, oh, this was something that we kind of missed. We should ask the professor later on. Like if we were sitting in the actual class, the professors would, of course, know like if students have a face that's clearly zoning out and the person's like the person has no clue what the professor is talking about uh, as an online student we get used to the feeling of not knowing and moving on i think uh, i usually go like oh i'm gonna watch the recording later on i might be the only person who didn't understand you know english and move on but most of the times there's always another person who didn't understand the same concept. So it's really important to ask questions, but it's really hard, right, uh, with this platform. And of course, it's like shouting at the entire class, like making an announcement that you don't know when you're asking a question. That's why people really don't go on mic and they just put their question in the chat, if anything, or, you know, completely don't ask the question at all. And we get used to a feeling of, I have the recording, so I don't really have to listen in class. And you don't actually watch the recording. <laughs> so, yeah. I know that because I track the one. Yeah, exactly. If there's a specific assignment to follow along the class, they watch the recording, right? Otherwise, they don't watch it. I kind of lost my ability to stay focused for more than 10 minutes. Like, sometimes when I'm talking... I lose track of my own thoughts. 
And <laughs> this is something that didn't happen before. It just started happening since I started relying on, you know, recordings and not having the camera on or like not having to have the eye contact while I'm talking. This is unusual, but this is something that we should get used to. Like I read in an article that people are not coming back to the office. We're going to work from home. If anything, it's going to be hybrid. Like you're just going to go to the office like four to eight times a month and that's it. So we do need to get used to this platform, but it's just hard to balance. Where am I missing? Why, what am I losing from this method? In person, of course, it's much easier to just approach people, get to know them and ask them questions freely. But with this one, I don't know, I find it kind of difficult to just randomly go and ask questions. I should have taken notes. Um, it's very important to ask questions in class, but nobody wants to for all sorts of excellent reasons. And online learning has made it even less likely to ask questions in class for all sorts of great reasons. But we need to get better at doing those things because work is getting that way. Work is going to be online. Yeah. <laughs> As a COVID student, you're all trained up to work online and you're actually ahead of people with 20 years experience because they haven't been doing it. But maybe there's other there's still room to get better at it, I think. Yeah, I had a meeting with an executive in the company uh, recently and he was actually taking some notes down as the interns were uh, talking about the their experience. And he was asking us, what do you think Mars could improve on with the, the online platform? Like, how are you settling in? Are you okay with it? And we're like, we did the college classes completely online. This is what we're used to. If anything, we're scared about going back. <laughs> and yeah. Was there anything at all that was scary about moving from online school to online work? The five weeks of training, the scariest thing is that there's no recording of that. Th that was the most, most scariest thing I've ever felt in like a few years. Because if I don't learn during the training, it's gone. I would have to ask the question. <laughs> like admitting that you don't know, even though they taught you, is scary, right? So not having the recording. At first, I didn't even know how to take notes. I didn't have to write. If anything, I can just go back to the recording I prefer to the professor directly. But now I cannot even do that. I need to keep track of whatever I'm doing. Notes are a valuable workplace skill as well, not just a, a learning skill, but you need to take notes when you're in a client meeting or um, ideating or, you know, I mean, all sorts of reasons to keep track of your time and your projects. Yeah, that was the tricky part, like not getting the recordings. Hmm. If you if you have to ask about something, just ask. The only people who are going to get mad at you for asking a question, even if they know you've already been told the answer, are people who have stopped learning. Mm -hmm. Anyone who continues learning throughout their life understands that you don't retain anything. Like I've read hundreds of books, but I completely forgot that I've read some book. Human beings, we retain nothing. And so the only people who aren't aware of that are people who have stopped even trying to learn because they haven't had that experience of, oh, right, I used to know that, right? Um, so mm -hmm. who cares if that if that person gets mad at you because you asked a question? Like, they just think they're too, you know, they're just hot shots or whatever. And who cares? But like instructors and good managers and health, healthy supervisors 
want you to ask every single question you ever have. Because first of all, it tells me like what we need to cover more. When one person asks a question, there's a very good chance that the rest of the class has the exact same question. And, you know, people who ask questions usually sound intelligent. It's like very often the strongest students who are asking questions. No one is looking at your work and saying, oh, you're asking another question and, you know, her work is so bad and she mustn't be a good designer. Like that's not happening. We are desperate for students to ask questions and other students are desperate for other students to ask questions. And managers would rather you ask a question about how do I prepare this color swatch before you send it out on the on a, you know thousands of dollars of printing rather than when they get it back yeah. and it's not printed right questions are good i think that's also teamwork you know most of the times the questions are not from us it's from the group chat who don't want to talk in class they go like what did eric say again and we would be like can you repeat that again to the professor oh, wow. and that's some sort of a teamwork right yes and uh, during the internship um the the training phase, all my work buddies, the the intern buddies, they basically don't know whatever I don't know, right? So asking questions on behalf of them and them asking questions on behalf of me, basically helping each other. We're learning from everything that everyone's asking. This is how we build trust, I think, and how we build teamwork skills. Of course, like you might think, is it a dumb question or is it a good question? <laughs> you know, you might have that thought, but just asking away something that I should be doing as well. Your student, how could there, how could there be a dumb question? You know what I mean? Like imagine asking that same yeah. question in 20 years because you didn't ask it in your second year of college. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Like then it's a dumb question, baby. I think at that point, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Teamwork. It's so great <laughs> to hear that. Uh, how can I phrase this? Some instructors have a certain mm -hmm. like fear about the conversation happening like behind their backs. Oh, yeah. And on, on definitely. Yeah. Whether it's wh wherever it happens, Discord, WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, I'm so happy you said that there's this other thing where you're like supporting each other and bringing engagement that wouldn't otherwise be there. Although I do wish the people who are using you as a proxy to get their questions asked would just jump on the mic and ask the, a darn question. It's so great to see that. <laughs> you know, there's something really important happening here. Uh, we shouldn't discourage it. We should foster it. Sometimes that person's just evaluating if this is a good question or not. <laughs> just asking away. But yeah, the online platform makes it even harder. It's like making an announcement, like especially going on mic. Um, it's not easy. <laughs> it's really not easy. And it's like, you know, having a podcast basically when you don't want to. <laughs> so I, I totally understand when people don't go mic. It feels like being intrusive. Yeah, we just got to understand each other a bit more, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I'm learning a lot about what's going on in students' minds whenever I have these conversations. <laughs> I know what's going on in my mind, which is like, I really wish people would ask me a question because my lessons are boring and scripted. And if we can have a conversation about what you, what your sticking points are, we're going to have a better lesson um, than just me reading a slide deck. Good. So maybe instructors have to do a better job at making like it, it's my job to make you comfortable enough to engage, right? Like that, it, that's a huge part of my job. You want to talk about how the communication skills are at least as important as the design skills. 
while an instructor who is who makes people want to participate um, or like advocate for themselves, advocate for their own learning, like that's a good instructor because that's a lifelong skill. You love questions. Some professors don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna say who, but uh, some people are scared of getting questions. Cause, and when when you have that experience where your questions are denied by your professor, you just stop asking questions in general, what? like in every class. Question is denied. What do you mean, like? Uh, refused basically, like just shut it down completely when the question is repeated. You know, some people don't learn in one try or like something that is very intuitive, like like a Google question, basically. Intuitive is kind of a lie. Very few things are genuinely intuitive in a universal way. So it's like a exactly tricky foundation or a tricky assumption to make, especially when you're teaching, especially in design. Use depends on the person and their experience. So you can't really expect students who are super new to the industry to understand whatever you're talking about without explaining <laughs> like over and over like of course you would have to repeat your question or answer yeah that's why i actually prefer scripted lessons because i can always go back and refer to the direct point where i got lost or uh, you know, I can study beforehand so I can actually understand what you're saying during the class. I, I did that with your class. Like you have your, is that a website? Yeah, they're little HTML pages. Yeah, I, I would read that beforehand so I would understand your lecture better. And sometimes professors, uh, they would think that it's like their private property. So they don't want to share it in uh, uh, the class blackboard or like they don't want the pdf shared mm. so also they do not have the text written anywhere we need to go back to the recording in order to understand what was said in class that's very tricky for students to learn that is part of a uh, sorry when i say that i mean treating lessons as intellectual property i mean there are all sorts mm. of reasons reasons that i am sympathetic to why instructors do that mm -hmm. but at the same time it's it's obvious how that's detrimental to the learning process yeah i get it there, there's a lot of work to be done making <laughs> post-secondary we're still catching up to the information age in, in, in which is weird mm -hmm. because the internet well at least email was popularized and and built up to share academic knowledge um, in in large part right tim berners lee worked at cern cern the super collider in switzerland when he created the World Wide web and html mm -hmm. so like yeah this goes back to what i was saying before right uh, school is just not it's not just there to share the information we have to have proper communication based on the knowledge that professors share we need to refer back to class lectures and have communications freely conversations freely with uh students or professors if they're just not sharing the information how would we able to talk about it and this is something that the job requires they always ask me why did i do this how did i do it what what is going to be done like all those questions if i'm not you know understanding the thing, thing properly how would i be able to answer all those questions right and those questions are asked during the job interviews as well so those lectures that basically block learning 
are blocking our ability to practice uh, interviews as well. What I've noticed is that the, the work environment is very similar to school environment, just more interactive. It's more like communication based and we just talk, 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 talk about like so many different jobs. I think that's why during the interview, they were looking for someone who's willing to talk, <laughs> basically, because you're going to have to talk for like hours and hours. Yeah, yeah like, I, I think in the design in design college, we need to do a better job building a more like like industry replicating. I mean, different schools do it, do it more. But the more an assignment can be mm -hmm. developed in the way a, a project in industry gets developed with constant rounds of feedback. Um, the more we can do that, the better. Um, yeah, and I was thinking like one suggestion would be having a project across different programs, like a project with uh, graphic design students, photography students, broadcasting students, and like marketing students all combined in one project. Because communicating with the people who don't know anything about design is something you need to get used to. and. Also, having the file structure correct and clean, organized, layers all organized and labeled, and, uh, you know, it's not untitled to or something, or like final, final, final. That's so important. You know, um, we all studied from home. Uh, our layer structure is a mess. We just submit PDF. That's it. We don't submit the actual illustrate, illustrator file. And now I have to like send Illustrator files to clients, my my teammates, and I have to make sure that everything is organized to the company standard. Right. And that's like, yeah, that's something that they don't stress enough. I think. Yura, can you tell us why it has to be organized? Because like, it's not just because it's nice, right? Oh no, it's not. <laughs> They need to locate where the file is saved at. <laughs> like, it's, they're not in your brain. I, even though you think that it's very intuitive that this Illustrator file is hidden in this docket, people don't know that. So you need to have a set structure because you're sending the same job to the printer, to the supplier, to the client, your entire company. And they need to just open the folder and be like, okay, this is where I click for the actual AI file. This is where I go for the PDF. And this is where the instructions were. It has to be recognizable for people in so many different companies and departments. Like you said before, it's going to be thousands of dollars of mistakes, right? Yep. No one wants that. Like having the layer structure correct, of course, because the printer has to open the file and see which one they're supposed to print. It has to be simple enough that you don't even need any instruction to guide them through. Mm -hmm. This is like an agreement. We agree that this folder will be under this folder like that. <laughs> I mean, and I, I've seen heated arguments about establishing file naming conventions. Yeah. Like what should come first, the color mode or the file name? So should it be like logo-cmyk.eps or should it be cmyk-logo.eps? Literal arguments. <laughs> yeah, it's really important. Even the layer names, like yep. who cares if the layer names are all in lowercase or uppercase, like, <laughs> and they do care. Yeah, they so, care you have to care yeah. if that's a sentence case lowercase or uppercase just follow the instructions <laughs> yeah 
another reason to name your layers is because you should not be clicking on the screen to select objects in a lot of Adobe software. You should be clicking on the layer item. That includes Photoshop, Photoshop and XD especially. There's things that in Illustrator that you cannot do. If you want to copy the appearance of a given item, I'm not just talking about eyedropper the color. I'm talking about copy yeah. the, the emboss, the drop shadow, the three different fills and two different um, strokes. You can only do that from the layers panel. So if your layers aren't named, yeah. you're, you're in trouble. Yeah, you, you need to recreate that basically. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which is annoying because like, for example, I was doing a, a flowchart pack. I had all these different shapes for the flowchart. And the only way to copy the style over from the core component is to do it that way. Anyways, I, and by the way, that's something I forgot yeah. how to do and I had to relearn it and I wasn't afraid to ask <laughs> because 10 years in, I still ask a lot of questions. Yeah. That's the thing I learned from design directors who are in their forties and fifties. They ask me about my opinion like i'm like i'm just a peasant here <laughs> i'm a dumb dumb intern i don't have opinion and, and they go like what do you think you're a and i'm like yeah i think i prefer this because of this and they're like okay cool let's go with that yeah I'm good like, wow that this sounds like an awesome place yeah. good, good for you yeah. marks thank you marks for what you're doing yeah. in this industry if anyone's listening <laughs> it sounds great you know yeah i always go to my mom because a lot of the times as a designer, it doesn't really matter what we think. Like, let's face it, mm -hmm. everything would be yeah. everything would be off white and dark, dark gray and Helvetica. Mm -hmm. And that would be fine mm -hmm. with 99% of designers, right? Yeah, so bland. <laughs> exactly. But no, not bland, simple, yeah. effective. But <laughs> asking someone like what you think is it's not about validation. It's about learning about how other people interpret a given symbol, a given color, a given shape, like a given design. Yeah. And the only way to know is to ask. We had a small project uh, in the beginning of the training where we had to design like a mock project, like completely designed from scratch um, package. I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> and the design director was asking us, like, why did you put this? What is the reasoning behind this? And when he heard our rationale, he would go like, okay, cool. That actually makes sense. We did a whole presentation in front of the creative directors and design directors. So that's a good thing, you know, we're going to learn so much faster in that way. My company really likes to get feedback because there are so many executive meetings that go on and they just want to tell us about their company. They want to know how we're doing and what they can improve on. And I'm, I'm just surprised that not a lot of not a lot of designers know about this company. I don't know if I knew about Marks. Uh, I still tell my mom that I do have a job and I am working right now. I am making money <laughs> and I just can't tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, uh, you've heard just 20 minutes ago, I tried to explain a project I was working on and it probably made no sense to anyone, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the same for every every project that we get, right? And you don't know it unless you're in the team. It seems like a lot of just communication and understanding scope and, and you know, being in touch with your with your peers. Yeah, letting people know what I'm doing, why am I doing that, like all those stuff. Making sure you're not the only person who knows what you're doing. Making sure people are caught up to your process as well. They're willing to teach you 
design skills. We just need teamwork skills and like communication skills. Speaking of design skills mm -hmm. learned in school, does Seneca have a packaging course? In the fourth semester, we have a huge project that goes across the entire semester. That includes a bit of packaging. And the only thing that I learned in that course is PDP, primary display panel. So um, during my interview, I brought that off, of course, and I was like, oh, this is my PDP design for this and like that. And <laughs> I think they knew that I had no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah. And one of the interns um, didn't have a packaging course in their program, and she has no issues getting used to the company. Uh, technical stuff, you're going to learn it at some point yeah you don't even have to be a fast learner to catch up do you, do you have to make die lines and do you have to prep this is a fold this is a score this is a cut <laughs> there's a whole team for the die line i do not touch that okay and there's a team for the cat as well okay and they measure out the die line for for the design team and the initial build team uh place all the elements in experiment with a color and then the file gets to me I check if the sizes are correct, which is basically the same thing I did in, in my teaching assistant experience. Is it legible? Is the copies set to the right type size? Are the colors printable? What is the right type size? It depends on the client and the printer. Basically, you want to stick to six point minimum for the positive type and the for the reverse type on a dark background you want to stay away from like six point you want to do like eight to nine at least because the ink bleeds to the the type so it gets narrower than you expect uh if you have a dark background and a white text on top of it <laughs> this is something i didn't learn in school as well oh, man. <laughs> I, learned I feel like i let you down I, I love this kind of stuff <laughs> surprised that they go by um point size and not millimeter at that at that scale it it goes by millimeter okay. and they converted it to point size for us like it, it's supposed to be one uh, one sixteenth of an inch or something like it, there's a whole math behind it one sixteenth of an inch which is 1.6 millimeters basically it also differs on what kind of content you are talking about too like the claims claim size and the nft like the nutrition facts panel they're, they're going to be different and i'm working for a u.s company not canadian company so there will be some law difference as well you're you're in a good spot because like something that people don't figure out is um six point garamond and six point futura are not the <laughs> same size when you measure it mm, as different. You don't really figure these things out until you have, until you face these practical challenges. Exactly. The six point is based on that typesetting. If I'm working for a different company, if my client was different, it might change to like five point or like seven point. It all depends on what kind of typeface. Especially at that, at that size. So then, I mean, a few times you've said, we didn't learn this in school. We didn't learn that in school. Do you feel let down like what are your thoughts on how prepared you are for the industry um account accounting for that seneca doesn't really teach much package design i don't feel let down i honestly think the school did its best given the fact that it's only like three-year program one of the things that it missed if anything was critiques i remember a lot of class critiques going like this is great i like it but they don't let you know why you like it <laughs> or like oh this doesn't work and you should let people know why you don't like like it, right? And it goes the same for the classmates as well. 
like we don't practice that enough and we're scared to say this doesn't work and we're scared that they're gonna get hurt like emotionally hurt this is something that seneca missed i think this is vital like it's necessary mm. Again, I think that's something instructors have to help with. But yeah. It's our job to make people comfortable. I think, or at least I don't know if it's our job, mm -hmm. but it must fall on us to at least attempt to make people comfortable enough, you know, and foster a mentality that critique early on with your first stab at something is is yeah. good and healthy. And the people are going to have a lot to say about your, your first design and your last design. And that's just life. What I'm saying, like uh, my WordPress website it would have been so much better if i heard the feedback before putting that on the actual application <laughs> right and it just didn't happen so uh, that and also like i don't think students have strong expectations on school programs to have what it's gonna be like at work like exactly because that's almost impossible we already know that i think we're just expecting to gain some knowledge make some uh, friends basically i think we're just expecting that to be honest i mean if you're teaching everything about every industry that would be like a six-year program spoon feeding every student which would be impossible yeah i mean everything about every industry within the design industry I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah like i'm just trying to imagine the size of a faculty with the with the knowledge to, to do that right <laughs> and also People will drop out really fast if the program is that overwhelming. Yeah, and the tuition would be crazy. And I already cannot afford my international student tuition fee. So speaking of international, yeah. what what is involved with working yeah. or interning as an international student? You have like a fear that you won't get the job because you're an international student. Because my visa status, of course, it, it all depends on IRCC and what kind of program I study. Like, so many different factors. And a lot of employers, they don't want to deal with the headache. When I was applying for this job as well, I was like, if I don't get this job, there will be so many reasons. But international student would be one of the main factors. So the mental factor, emotional vulnerability, and... Balancing all those paperwork with the school and the work is pretty overwhelming. I, I said it before, but school, you have to pay to do your work. And when international students say they pay, we pay a lot. So thinking about that and almost all international students live by themselves or like uh, we don't rely on parents' places. Like all those housing issues and tax filling thing, you know, all the adulting basically on top of this internship was very stressful to me. And I totally get it when international students just give up. Like I won't get the internship anyways. I'm just going to go back. But I would say just give it a go. Try applying. They will not expect you to be perfect anyways. All they want to see is, you know, even though you ramble on, are you able to talk about what you did? That's it. I think the stress was the hardest thing I had to deal with. The language barrier comes second. It could be added to the stress factor, uh, definitely. <laughs> I, I also thought if they don't hire me because English isn't my first language, they're not inclusive. I don't have to be there, right? Like, I get to choose the company I want to work at as well. It's not like they're choosing their applicants only. I I have the choice too. 
And there are so many design agencies, so many companies that you can work in Canada. You don't have to go to the worst one. It's very difficult to work in Canada when you have a first language that's other than English. Yeah. My, my sister is in a completely different industry. She is also in Canada and her name is Korean, of course. And when she had her resume written in her Korean name, no one called her. And when she added an English name before Korean name, all the companies started calling her. We did experience some sort of weirdness. It's racism. <laughs> there. Said. I, I, there's study after yeah. <laughs> study about people with names. And actually, I don't even think it matters what country you live in. If, if someone has a name that doesn't, that sounds, let's just say foreign, then that student will be treated, will get worse grades, less likely to be hired for jobs. It impacts everything. In the beginning of this program, like, graphic design program, I had the pressure that I need to try way harder than other domestic students with English names in order to show my professors that I know what I'm doing. Oh. Like, I think international students have that barrier to begin with because some professors just expect us to not understand what they're saying at all. In order to overcome that, international students either give up <laughs> or uh, or you know, try way harder. A lot of uh, international student TAs in our program are tryhards. We overwork. Uh, we're expected to work seven hours a week, but we work like 15 hours a week uh, for that specific job. Having that pressure is kind of frustrating because it's just adding on to your burnouts, right? I can't even imagine. I mean, when I was in college, not when grad school, when I was in college and uni, I lived at home and I lived at home because it made my life so easy. You know, as someone who mm. actively said to themselves, there's no way I'm not living at home for you to say, I'm going to fly across the mm. country and live alone. Um, that's a, it's amazing to me what, what you, what you, I like, I don't know if you feel that way, but to me, it's amazing and impressive. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm at the end of my twenties and I think I spent my twenties well, even though I quit several post-secondary educations. <laughs> Um, I did, I was doing something like every moment and I feel very accomplished, even though I don't really have anything right now other than my uh, two-year diploma from the other program. But yeah, I feel very accomplished. Good for you. You know, it, 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 show, it shows in everything you do. <laughs> so uh, maybe you feel like you don't have anything, but people, I think people see it. I think people definitely see it. Yeah. And I want to share my experience to other international students or like the first semester students in graphic design because I know they are scared and I know I know how frustrating it is I know like how scary it is to not even know what you're supposed to ask or like what you want to ask I, because you, you, they just don't know how to organize their thoughts yet like I just want to I just want to connect with them and that's why I, I was in the tutoring, TAing, and like mentoring in Seneca. To be honest, I, I could have made more money right. serving. <laughs> I just wanted to understand their frustration and understand where they're coming from because I yeah. was there, right? And it, it is a scary journey. Like you're completely on your own. It's like a deserted island and they just expect you to be better somehow. <laughs> and um, just surviving is what... I want them to do like I just want them to be like happier not as burnt out yeah. as I was before that yeah wow so you said that you were you're um 
working in the uh, the tutor center and um, that's a place that people can go mm-hmm. if they have you know extra questions or not extra questions no questions are extra all questions yeah. are 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 desired <laughs> but what other resources did you want to share for international students looking to not feel as alone um, or any kind of supports whether they're on campus or off campus there are uh, so many activities that you can join. Not only Seneca, I think it applies to other colleges and universities. And I recommend them to just join whatever activity that you want to. And you want to involve yourself in a community, even though you feel like you're introverted, you don't want to connect with new people. It's just going to help you in the long run because I would like that before. I, I didn't want to get to know, like, new people and i i like my friend group only but you need connections in this world (laughs) and the in canada especially you need connections to get hired somewhere it helps anyways like to to say it simply canadians are born with connections they have their parents here and somehow they do have like friends and they're gonna get their job that way right but you're here alone you have to build your connections alone from scratch, which is really difficult. But when you're at school, it makes it so much easier because there are so many people who are in the similar situation as you are. And you're not going to be judged by being new here, at least at school. One of the good things is that if you experience any uncomfortable situations on campus or like online, you can report that because it's school. and. Yeah, they're going to try to find a way to resolve it. So please feel free to reach out. Like even the tax uh, refunds, there's a tax clinic in Seneca and I believe other schools have that too. Tax filling out, I'm sure like even Canadians in their 30s are scared of doing it all. (laughs) Yeah, and you don't even have like a family accountant who would do it for you for like $30. Uh, You have to find an accountant who's like 130 an hour. And it's just too much for you, right? And you don't even get that much of a tax refund because you're only working 20 hours a week. The legal maximum, right? (laughs) Which is the legal max. Yeah, exactly. So you end up filing your tax yourself with the the websites and you're so scared that you file something wrong. Just reach out. Uh, You're not the only person struggling. At least do it together with someone else. It's the same for like other activities or like uh, visa issues. Uh, there's a international student services. Please ask them questions. Okay. The visa issue, one case applies to that person only. You cannot really say, oh, it's going to be the same for you. So just reaching out to a specialist is okay. necessary. Uh, that's great. I, I mean, sometimes I get questions from students and I, I know where to point them roughly, but having not been there myself, I feel... Mm-hmm. I just feel it, it not experienced enough, I guess, to, to to help. So, and as most instructors do, because most instructors in Canada are Canadian. So it's it's great to hear from someone who knows mm. what they're actually talking about. <laughs> it's really hard to answer. And I get questions from my past mentees about their visa stuff or like tax stuff all the time. And I don't know the answer to that either. It just can give them the resource, like reach out to this person or like this department. They'll, they're going to help yeah. you like that. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's been almost two hours. So if there's anything else you wanted to touch on. Do the interview. Don't, don't be too scared. That's it. Those are some great closing remarks. Um, <laughs> that's always been my approach 
I don't worry too much about whether or not I'm qualified now, because maybe I'll be qualified by then. Mm -hmm. And it's, if you apply, it no longer is your problem. Like, they're going to hire you, or like, they're not going to hire you. They're going to decide that. You just do your best there. Yurali, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> I loved how I could nerd out <laughs> about design stuff. So I had a great time. Thanks again. Thank you.